0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Huge upsets last night in college football. Friday the 13th was not kind to two top ten teams. Number two, Clemson going down in the carrier dome, 27-24. Number eight, Washington State losing in Cal Berkeley 37 to 3, sets up a great week number seven of the college football season. We haven't even gotten to Saturday, and we've had fireworks already. Uh, I I mean,
1: shocking evening last night. Clemson, I I think we thought with Kelly Bryant not being 100% and then suffering a concussion that maybe Clemson would be a little bit vulnerable, but nobody expected the upset. The one thing I'll say is, you know, don't sleep on Clemson at this point. They were vulnerable, they did lose. The big surprise for me wasn't the offensive issues, Joe, but defensively, they couldn't make big stops against Eric Dungy, underrated quarterback from the state of Oregon, doing nice things for Dino Babers. But don't sleep on Clemson at this point. Remember last year, they lost at home to Pittsburgh, still went on to win a national championship. There's time to regroup. But think about all the teams that now benefit from Clemson losing. Really, conferences, too. Big 12, Pac-12, now in a better position to think about playoff now that the Tigers have a loss.
0: That's a great point. There is parity in college football. Teams like Oklahoma that face Texas, a team that has uh, an off week in Notre Dame, faces USC next week, and USC that faces Utah could benefit from those losses last night. So sit back, relax. Rich and I have you covered for the next three hours. A big show on tap at 1024 Eastern. We're going to be joined by former Ohio State quarterback Greg Fry. We'll get Greg's take about that battle in Memorial Stadium. Ohio State and Nebraska at 1124 Eastern. We'll be joined by two-time Super Bowl champion, former LSU Tiger defensive tackle Leonard Marshall. We'll get Leonard's take about that big battle in Baton Rouge, Death Valley. Auburn and Jared Stidham on the road to face Danny Etling and those LSU Tigers. And then at 1040 11.40 Eastern, 7.40, 8.40 Pacific. will be joined by Game Time Decisions host Gabe morenzi will get Gabe's best bets for the early and the late uh, games for week number seven. But this is what it's all about, Rich. I mean, parody in college football, this is why we watch each and every Saturday because you never know what's going to happen. Joe, nobody is safe. I, I
1: don't care if you're Alabama, Ohio State already has a loss against Oklahoma, USC has lost to Washington. Washington State, which, as you mentioned, falls to Cal. That in itself was a shocker. 37-3. to 3. Luke Falk had, what, five? Five interceptions, interceptions and seven turnovers yeah. last
0: night. Seven turnovers. September, you know, October, they, they were rolling. And then yeah. they Friday the 13th in Cal Berkeley, the game wasn't even probably supposed to be played because of, because of, weather, because of, the, because of the air fire. quality yeah. there. Uh, Washington State is probably hoping that that game didn't get played because yeah. it would have been pushed back to late November. So, unfortunately, Mike they're Leach on the outside looking team, in. team
1: a bunch of pathetic frontrunners <laughs> following the game. Uh, Mike Leach never won to miss a good, quote, attacks his team, and now Washington State
0: has to regroup if they're going to be a Pac-12 North contender. This is what it's all about. When we come back, we'll jump right into the top 25 battles. This is Joe Lisi and Chris Manello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. On college football today, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34. If you want to talk college football with us, give us a call, 844 843 6879. That's 844 843 6879. You could follow me on Twitter at GoForTheTwo. You could follow Rich on Twitter at Rich Sermonello. That's C I R M I N I E L L O. Huge battle in Death Valley later today. It's a three Three thirty start Auburn and Jared Stidham on the road in uh, Baton Rouge to face the LSU Tigers LSU has won three of the last five by 13.3 points per game last Auburn victory Rich came in 1999 yeah. all eyes on the Gus bus and Gus miles on and the Tigers but I like LSU in this matchup Last victory in Baton Rouge, 1999. Correct. Do you, know, you know who the coach was of LSU? Ooh, Jerry DiNardo. It was Jerry
1: DiNardo. <laughs> <laughs> My man never misses. He never misses the historical stuff. Jerry DiNardo, final year at LSU. I'm not buying LSU at Ooh, all. I'm, I knew that. I'm I, knew st- it. I know. You, you know my tendencies <laughs> I do. at this I do. point. I, I love LSU over the past month. I think this team, since Clemson, has really begun to regroup defensively about as good as any in the country. Number four nationally in yards per play allowed. Not a lot of household names, Joe. Not a lot of All-American candidates, but as a unit, Kevin Steele's defense has been outstanding. And I have concerns about the LSU offense. Nice win last week. I didn't see it coming. You had that. You were more on that than I was. But LSU's offense with possibly three freshmen starting offensive linemen, Danny Ettling as a marginal quarterback, Darius Geist, fantastic running back, hasn't been 100% this year. That's kind of obvious. Against that defense and then with the offense of Auburn Carryon Johnson has taken over for Cam Petway Jarrett Stidham not elite yet I'll agree to that but he's gradually growing into the system for Chip Lindsey so Auburn to me is the more complete football team if they're going to break this streak In Baton Rouge, I think today is the day. I think they win and they cover. I like Auburn.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I would say this about Jared Stidham, an efficient quarterback up until this point, completing 71% of his passes, 1,345 yards, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. This is an Auburn offense that's passing and rushing for over 200 yards. And you mentioned Kevin Steele done a fantastic job with that front seven, holding opposing offenses to 111 rushing yards per game, and more importantly, in the secondary, Rich, holding opposing offenses to 176 passing yards per game. But here's what I look at when I look at Auburn overall from an, a, a team perspective. You mentioned that great game in Death Valley against Clemson. They jumped out six to nothing, lost that ball game by seven points. Uh, but you look at the victories this year over Georgia Southern, over Mercer, over Missouri, over Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. Those teams, FBS wise, are a combined six and third overall, or a 315 winning percentage, I look at that effort by LSU where they pounded the rock for 216 yards on the ground against a physical Gators uh, defense. To me, that's the difference. I think they can run. I'm calling this game high scoring, though. 28-24, LSU gets the win. I I actually think it will model what we saw last year. Auburn, 18-13,
1: low scoring game. I just don't have confidence In the LSU offense at this point. I don't know what to expect from the offensive line. That young group, which did a very nice job against the Florida front last week, pressed into action... I don't know if they continue that against Auburn. I am so impressed by the Auburn defense, the physicality, the quickness that they get to the ball, the way they wrap up in space. This is close to a complete football team. I think Auburn has really begun to turn the corner. I agree with you. They haven't, they, they don't have a quality win yet, but it's the way they're beating those teams. I mean, they are hammering opponents. The last week was about three touchdowns over Ole Miss. Not a great Ole Miss No, team. but they
0: dominated in the first half, and, yeah, and, and Ole Miss came in the second half, and, they, and they made it a lot closer Auburn than that game was. Auburn is just
1: taking care of business. LSU at this point, I think they got their big win out of their system. It helps Eddie O, no question about it, after that Troy loss. But let's go back to the defense of LSU real quick. They have been trucked yeah, against the run. I mean, they've really struggled. They had a hard time against Mississippi State. They struggled against Jordan Chun and Troy, gave up close to 200, maybe more than 200 yards on the ground. Chun had 190. So on Johnson, who has 11 touchdowns in the last three games, he could be a difference maker in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, you bring up great points. I mean, Florida did rush the football last week for 196 yards on that LSU defense. Statistically, LSU is holding opposing offenses to 137 rushing yards per game and only 171 passing yards in that secondary. But you, you brought up how they broke down against Troy. They Allowed 206 rushing yards to Brandon Silvers and Jordan Chun in that matchup and haven't looked at it as the same consistent team from a physicality perspective. But when I look at that ball game in the swamp from an offensive perspective last week, I saw Matt Canada mix up formations, get a lot of motion. He got DJ Chark involved yeah. on fly sweeps. He utilized Darryl Williams and Darius Geis in the short to intermediate passing game. And he has an experienced quarterback in Danny Ettling to say what you will. I mean, Danny Etling's completing sixty percent of his passes, a thousand forty-six yards, six touchdowns, only one interception. This stage will not phase him. Now it's a three thirty start as opposed to a, a a night game under the lights Which we're in Baton Rouge. To. I'm accustomed right. to that. Yeah. The Tigers play much better at night than they do at three thirty. But here's the other factor: Jarrett Stidham one SEC road game to this point. It came in Columbia, South, uh, Missouri, against the Tigers. Not the same atmosphere right. as Death right. Valley. Right. And that's the concern I think that yeah. you can get from a defensive perspective to, to really battle test Jared Stidham in this ballgame. Joe, you bring up one good point, which I want to uh, I want to sort of uh, piggyback off of, which is I, th-
1: I think Canada, despite the 17 points last week, I think he called a very good game. I, 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 think, I thought he did I think as he well. did a really nice job in a tough situation in the swamp against a good defense. I agree with you. Can he take that and elevate it? Can he get this team to start uh, scoring 24, 27 points, really stretch the field, have some big plays? Can he gash? That Auburn defense, and one more thing, one final point on the Auburn defense, I love the size of their corners. They're they big, They're big big, yeah, bump and run They look like safeties. You, right. know, you look at a Carlton Davis. This is a kid who's 6'1", 203 pounds, so they have the physicality to take the DJ Charks out of the play before Danny Etling really has a chance to set his feet. So it's an interesting game. I mean, this is another pivot game for LSU, they they got they got off their back last week can they continue to grow and kind of develop something this season in 2007. Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, for me, I think you have to be aggressive on first and second down. It's not so much how many times a game you pass, but when do you pass? If you're play action on first and second down and become aggressive, you loosen up running lanes later in games, get the defense to think pass on first and second down, and then you have big running lanes for Darrell Williams and Darius. That's much the way they worked against that Florida defense in the Swamp. They're going to have to be aggressive, and at this point in the city season sitting at week number seven four and two overall you have nothing to lose here and the pressure that's on, on Ed O and more importantly matt canada i think they have to come out swinging in this ball game it's an interesting matchup it's another great sec rivalry this
1: is one of the many reasons why we love college football <laughs> i don't care about the records you Me put, either. You put auburn and lsu in the same building there are always guaranteed storylines there are great matchups Offense versus defense, defense versus offense. I think it's a terrific game. I think it'll be competitive. I don't think it'll be you know the, the last couple of games for Auburn that we've seen. I, I think Auburn covers. I I, I can see Auburn maybe a twenty-seven to seventeen type. Picture. Wow, so
0: uh, low scoring I from believe. the Vegas yeah. angle. And I like the over. I think LSU wins this ball game, twenty-eight to twenty-four. We'll see how it plays out. It is a three thirty kick on CBS. So keep tuned. we we'll, it's one of my best picks later in the day. So we'll give that at the bottom of the hour. Another intriguing battle is the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma and Texas. Oklahoma's won three of the last five by 17.3 points per game. Can they get off the mat after last week's disappointing home loss to the Iowa State Cyclones? I think Tom Herman and the, and the Texas Longhorns are up and ready. I was very I impressed agree. with that victory at home against Kansas State and Bill Snyder. I think Texas wins this ballgame, high scoring as well. How excited were you when they chose to not go for the field goal than Chris Warren? Tom Herman knows <laughs> who pays the bills in, in that, Austin. By the way, that was, I think, a four-point uh, spread in <laughs> Right that in game. the area, four, five, overtime, five and a half up rather there. Rather than going for the field goal, they push in
1: Chris Warren about 250 pounds. I I was trying to picture Lisi just going berserk in his living room as, uh, as Very that game covered in that for him. Very impressed yeah, I, with that game. I, Joe, I agree with you. I, I like Tom Herman as an underdog. Have been completely unimpressed by the Oklahoma defense, not just Iowa State, they could not make an, a stop against Kyle Kempt, who had, I think, two career passing attempts going into last weekend. But let's not forget, they gave up, what, 41 points to Baylor the week before that. So the pass defense of Oklahoma is in complete shambles. And something I'd like to talk more about today is Sam Ellinger. I yes. look at Sam Ellinger. I see him as a young Colt McCoy from the perspective that when Colt McCoy was in a game, you always felt that Texas had a shot to win. I'm starting to see that in this young quarterback. And
0: I'll tell you this. Battle-tested, he is unfazed from the landscape or atmosphere. When we come back, we'll keep it where it is. Red River Rivalry. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Keep it where it is. the conversation of the Red River rivalry. Oklahoma's won three of the last five and won this ballgame 45-40. Can Oklahoma rebound after that disappointing home loss to Iowa State and Matt Campbell last week? You look at Baker Mayfield this year, still playing lights out. He's completing 74% of his passes, Rich. 1,635 yards, 15 touchdowns, no interceptions. They're going to need him today. This is an Oklahoma offense that's averaging 384 passing yards through the air the way you beat texas is over the top you saw that last week against uh kansas state they passed the football for 256 this is a texas defense giving up 249 passing yards per game baker mayfield could have a big day later today
1: uh, texas has had a lot of takeaways though I, i i've been impressed by the texas secondary specifically holton hill deshaun elliott the safety those guys have been very aggressive they've been ball hawks uh they roam around they pack a punch out of the secondary. Uh, Texas's defense, quite frankly, I thought underachieved last week I, I, against a one-dimensional Kansas State team. Uh, Jesse Ertz was hurt towards the end of the game. Alex Delton had to come off the bench for Kansas State. Texas struggled to make stops, but when I look at the total body of work outside of Maryland, outside of Kansas State, I'm being a little bit selective here, but I've been generally impressed by Todd Orlando's defense. I don't think they shut down... Baker today. And, and Baker's the kind of kid that, you know, off of that loss, he's got a little bit of Tim Tebow in him and that he'll rally the troops. Oh, he's he'll, he'll, get uh, he'll get his yards. He'll get right. his yards. He'll have a big day. I, I, I see they're favored by more than a touch. I wouldn't be surprised if Oklahoma wins, but I, I think this is a close game because Texas has the edge on defense, and now I think that edge is beginning to widen. Uh, Oklahoma's secondary looks like the Oklahoma secondary in the first half of last season when when they couldn't stop anybody right. through the air. So Sam Ellinger with those big wide receivers like Colin Johnson, he's got a bevy of big wide receivers to attack that Oklahoma secondary. And again, I'll stress it: two things. Ellinger is playing much like a Jake Fromm, maybe even better than a Jake Fromm at Georgia poised beyond his years and Tom Herman as an underdog traditionally has been great, so uh, I'm calling for a Texas outright upset. I think Oklahoma goes down for a second straight Yeah,
0: I'm with you, and you mentioned Elliger. The one thing about his game, like I said, poised. I mean, he's completing 56% of his passes, 900 yards, 5 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, but he has great pocket presence. He could step up, understand the rush, he knows when to tuck it, and also knows when to take the sack or throw the football away, and in a rivalry game, that can lead to points or less than takeaways. And that's when you look at Texas's offense, that's where he could be a benefit as well. Here's the one thing about Texas that I think they have an advantage in this game. They're averaging 178 rushing yards on the ground. They're passing for right around 255 yards per game. You look at last week against Iowa State. They allowed Iowa State, Oklahoma did, to to uh, David Montgomery, the running back. Eight receptions, 79 yards. You look at last week against Kansas State, Chris Warren, a 33-yard touchdown reception. Look for Warren and Porter in the short-intermediate passing game being matched up on linebackers and nickelbacks for Oklahoma. That can lead to points and, more importantly, lead to Ellinger getting confidence early on in this matchup. Joe, uh, over the last two weeks,
1: Oklahoma has allowed more than 800 yards through the air offensively. Again, I, I have no doubts. I can't criticize Baker Mayfield. If I was a coach, I would want him to be my quarterback. But, but one of his top receivers, CeeDee Lamb, might not play. True right. freshman, electrifying playmaker. He may not be available for Oklahoma. So I, I think, you know, I look at the Clemson loss and I say it might be an anomaly. I, I look at the Oklahoma loss and I say it might be a symptom of a larger problem. Because, again, they struggled against Baylor. They could not. Zach Smith through for a ton of yards for Baylor against that Oklahoma defense so I can see Texas and Tom Herman with Ellinger going up top regularly and then softening the defense with Chris Warren who I absolutely love I mean he's like a refrigerator on wheels (laughs) getting into the second and once he gets ahead of steam I mean who would possibly get in the way of him unless you go low if you go high and and try to uh tackle Chris Warren the third you're going to be concussed after that play. <laughs> so I like this Texas team. I, I thought it was a gutty win last week. It was an important win. They've turned the corner since Maryland. And I think as long as the offensive line doesn't fall apart, because I wish that Connor Williams was still you know, up front for Texas, as long as that offensive line... Uh, is cohesive and those young kids step up. Texas is going to continue to get better as the season rolls on.
0: Yeah, there's a number of great running backs in this ball game. You look at Trey Sermon for Oklahoma, Abdul Adams as well, and you, I mentioned Porter and Chris Warren. This is an offense in Texas that really moved the football against a solid Kansas State team, and they utilized Ellinger on uh, read options as well late in that ball game. So keep an eye out for that in this ball game. But keep also keep in mind that every quarterback probably will be available. They used Gerard heard as a wide receiver i'm sure he'll be available Bouchelle, if he's healthy will be available because tom herman understands this rivalry third down conversions could be a key for this ball game as well oklahoma converting 48 of their third down conversions and holding opposing offenses to 38 percent. but here's the thing from a coaching aspect i give the edge to tom herman over first year head coach lincoln riley clearly outcoached last week in terms of second half adjustments by Matt Campbell, I agree with you. I think Texas wins this ball game. I could see a double-digit victory by the Longhorns.
1: Yeah, and, and if that happens, I mean it really throws the Big Twelve race into a state of chaos. I mean, it was just a couple of weeks ago where we were all lauding the Oklahoma defense after the Ohio State game. Oh, you know, Oklahoma's back. Oklahoma has some swagger. Uh, you know, we don't miss Bob Stoops, Lincoln Riley's ready to take over, and then you know, in, in, in true college football fashion, everything just gets torched at that point because if Oklahoma doesn't survive today, then you have you know, you know TCU at the very top. Oklahoma State let's not forget about Oklahoma State. That's still a team that can rally back from their loss uh, to the Horn Frogs.
0: Yeah, I think if there's two teams that benefit from last night's loss in the Big 12, it is Oklahoma State and, and even a team like TCU because they have K-State on deck and know that they still have to face uh, teams like uh, uh, Oklahoma later in the year. I mean, that's a critical matchup. So they have the type of schedule to make it there. Whichever two teams, it's the top two teams in the Big 12. Whoever's standing at the end of the year will play in the the December championship game. So keep an eye out for that. Rich and I both like Texas to get the outright victory at. 3.30 later today. Another intriguing battle. I love this game. USC and Utah. Utah is 1-7 in all-time against the Trojans. Last victory did come in October of 1916. Now, they didn't play every single year, but this game played last year. Utah did get the victory. It was Sam Darnold's first career start since that time last year. He ran off nine straight, but I really like USC here from a speed perspective. You're talking about a Utah team that allowed 196 rushing yards to Stanford and Bryce Love last week. I think USC dominates this ball game. Rich, you may think I'm crazy. Twenty points or more later tonight. I I, I do think you're crazy, not, <laughs> not
1: because of this pick necessarily. Okay. I just generally think uh, that you're crazy. But I love I love your craziness though. I, I I I don't have a great feel for this game, and here's the reason why. I, I tend to generally lean. Towards Utah in many of these picks. I like physical teams. I like teams that can grind it out. I like teams that play solid defense. And I love Kyle Whittingham. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in college football. This game concerns me for two reasons. Because uh, injuries are going to play a factor. Uh, USC is not strong on the offensive line. They've been beaten up all year. Defensive line, they have some injuries. And Utah's strength year after year is at the line of scrimmage. Whether it's offensive or defensive line, they can out-physical. They can out-muscle opponents. That That's number one. And number two, I can't get on Utah as much as I normally like to because they have quarterback issues. Tyler Huntley was playing very well in his first year as a starter, got injured, hasn't been back. This week, you know, Troy Williams is a journeyman. The Washington transfer did not play last week, uh, play well last week in the loss to Stanford. Uh, During the week, uh, Whittingham was auditioning Cooper Bateman, the Alabama transfer. So, you So, you know, the uncertainty at quarterback for Utah would lead me to believe. Uh, It's a good idea to stay away from this game. If I had to pick someone, I would agree with you. The speed of USC, Darnold looking for some revenge uh, off of last year's loss. I would take USC. I just don't love it because I'm concerned about the line play of USC.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Here's what I look at when I look at this matchup for USC overall. They're rushing for 181 yards on the ground. They're passing with Sam Darnold, 286 yards per game. You look at Darnold this year, 63% completion percentage, 1,705 yards, 12 touchdowns nine interceptions. You look at this Utah team overall, they're rushing for 160 yards per game, passing for 269 through the air. But both of those quarterbacks, Williams and Huntley, combined this season, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. I look at third down conversions by USC from an offensive perspective, converting 46% of their third downs, holding opposing defense, uh, offenses to 36% on their third down conversions. I like Sam Darnold to start Start fast in this matchup, put the pressure on Utah's offense to match them score for score. And that's why I really think USC dominates. Couple with the fact now that they have Notre Dame on deck, and more importantly, Washington State lost last night, USC has the feeling that they can get back into this thing. Look for a dominating Trojans victory later today. Uh, yeah,
1: USC, no question about it. I mean, they're firmly in the mix when it comes to the Pac 12 race. Uh, if for nothing else, because I, I don't think they have a strong competitor. In the Pac-12 South, especially if they handle Utah, who in the world is going to chime? In? They, Colorado, they maybe
0: Colorado. Rogue maybe Colorado. Yeah, I possibly. mean it's never an easy
1: place to play. They should be able to coast. I mean the way UCLA, the teams in Arizona play. If they get by Utah today, I would be shocked if they're not in the Pac-12 Championship game, facing you know someone like Washington or Stanford, or maybe if Washington State can battle back. One more thing to point out, and the reason why I shied away from this game is because of the spate of injuries. Utah's best pass rusher, Kylie Fitz, a former UCLA transfer, may not be available today as well. So, you know, there's so many uh, backups that are going to be playing, so many variables. Uh, One kid that has impressed me, I'd like to throw his name out there, because of the attrition on the USC defensive line, Christian Rector young player has really played well over the past three or four weeks. I've been watching him closely. He's someone who's taking advantage of his extra reps.
0: Yeah, keep it where it is. Rich and I both like USC. It is a best bet of mine, though. USC through six games, 18 total sacks. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Ohio State, Nebraska. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Great battle taking place in the Big Ten. Ohio State in Urban Meyer on the road in Lincoln to face Mike Riley. And the crew, later tonight, 7.30 kick. Since 2012, Ohio State is 2-0 and uh, over Nebraska. And have won those games by 42 points per game. A lot of pressure on Mike Riley and this Nebraska Cornhusker team, Rich. They got dominated by Wisconsin last week. But I think they bring their A game. I think this game is a lot closer than people think. And I think the Cornhuskers are in striking distance much of the way. I, I have to correct you
1: on one thing. I don't think that was domination last week. I- <laughs> I mean, the final score... They played pretty well that defensively. That was 17-17 in the third quarter. So I, I was actually impressed with the way Nebraska performed against Wisconsin. I defensively. Thought they did, I thought they yeah, they, they fell apart late. I mean, Jonathan Taylor took off, and it, that score was not as bad as the game was. But having said that, I, I don't know really what to expect from Ohio State at this point because they haven't played somebody since the Oklahoma game. So, you know, they've been dominant, but big whoop at this point. They've been dominant against the likes of Army and UNLV, so I'm curious to see what Urban Meyer can concoct on the road, tough environment. You know, regardless of the personnel and the record, Nebraska is always tough in Lincoln. So, you know, can JT Barrett stay high? I love the defense, by the way, of Ohio State. They're beginning to gel. Nick Bosa's having a terrific year. Denzel Ward in the secondary looks like the next big thing for the Buckeyes in terms of defensive backs. I have no worries about the defense. I do worry on the other side of Tanner Lee, who has been an interception machine. I think he'll struggle badly against that front of Ohio State and the secondary of the Buckeyes. I just want to see JT Barrett on the road. Can he continue to click? Can he continue to distribute the ball to his young receivers and backs?
0: And that was the the offensive problems and inconsistencies in week number one against Indiana, which followed through against Oklahoma. The con- passing consistency with the young wide receiver core. You bring up some great points about Ohio State. We'll touch on their statistics. They're rushing for right around 244 yards on the ground. They're passing for 320 through the air. JT Barrett, 16 touchdowns, one interception this season. They do have a bye week next week before they face Penn State, which could be a very wow. critical factor. Are they looking ahead to that? And you mentioned Denzel Ward. Yes, he's playing lights out much better, but a critical factor for this ball game, He did have a targeting penalty last week, he will miss the first half of this ballgame. Just an does awful that, call. Does I, that, does I, that I, factor into this ballgame in terms of Tanner Lee, 11 yeah. touchdowns, 10 interceptions, I, going I, after that Buckeye secondary? I, I, I
1: like the depth of the Ohio State secondary, and, and now that we're midway through the season, those young kids, the Jordan Fullers who were not starters in the past, now are getting uh, more reps than any point in their career. They're becoming more seasoned. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's a factor. I mean, I'm not going to go off on a tangent, because we, we have a lot of games to cover, but if if, if you missed it, you know, Google Denzel Ward. It was a perfectly clean, hard football hit. The fact that it was called a targeting penalty and he has to sit out two quarters, I think, is, is ridiculous. ridiculous. I mean, obviously, we have to pay attention. Safety should be at the forefront of what what is done in football. But this is a physical, violent game. And when you lower your shoulder, he absolutely pounded the opponent last week, and uh, it just was a, a horrible call. Yeah,
0: it is a 7.30 kick. I like Nebraska. Do you like Ohio State or Nebraska? I'll,
1: I'll take Ohio State, not one of my key games of the day. I'm surprised that you love Nebraska as much as you do, only because I, I think I don't like the matchup of Tanner Lee versus the Ohio State defense. Um, we'll see what Ohio State could do now that they're finally getting a little bit of a step up in competition. I'm just not a big Nebraska fan this year.
0: Ohio State dominated this matchup after Tommy Armstrong got hurt in Columbus. They won that ballgame 62-3. to Is revenge on the mind for the Cornhuskers. Mike Riley is on the hot seat. And if anybody can attack that secondary in this matchup, it will have to be Tanner Lee because that's still the weakness of Ohio State giving up 171 passing yards through the air in that matchup. Rich likes Ohio State. I like Nebraska a little bit later today. Here's one that we both love. An ACC Coastal clash. It's Miami, fresh off their 24-20 victory in Tallahassee at home facing Georgia Tech. Miami's won four of the last five by 13 points per game, actually 10.5 points per game. The last two, though, Rich, have been decided by 15.5 points per game. They got a dominating road win last year in Bobby Dodd Stadium. But this is Georgia Tech's offense that's averaging 396 rushing yards on the ground. To me, that's the difference. Miami gave up 203 to Florida State last week.
1: Yeah, Cam Akers ran well. Uh, From the moment that Malik Rozier threw the game-winning touchdown pass, uh, epic victory for Miami, snapped the seven-game losing streak to their rival, Florida State. From the moment that happened, I thought to myself, they're going to be highly vulnerable to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech has impressed me. You've been more on Georgia Tech than I have. You've had a better finger on the pulse of the Yellow Jackets than I have. But this is a really solid Paul Johnson-led team. They're coming off a bye week. Taquan Marshall, their quarterback, is gelling. Kervante uh, Benson, their B-back, is running very well. And the real couple of difference makers for me... No more Mark Walton this season. Out,
0: out for the year. Yeah,
1: I, I mean Miami's best offensive player, or maybe one in one A with Amon Richards. Amon Richards is not healthy. uh D Delaney, one of their top defensive backs, not going to play. So Miami is banged up after a physical game against Florida State, an emotional game against Florida State. Now you come back home to Sun Life Stadium, and it's not as if that's the kind of environment that is going to rise up a team and and bring out the emotion. four thousand fans will be there. Exactly. I mean my. my <laughs> <laughs> Miami doesn't really rally at home behind that program. So to be somewhat of a sleepy environment, Georgia Tech has the bye week. And oh, by the way, Ted Roof, their defensive coordinator, is doing a very nice job with that unit. So I think Georgia Tech is a very live dog. I have them, much like the uh, Red River Showdown. I have them winning the game outright. I think they're getting 6-6.5, six, six so I love that game. Yeah,
0: it's in the area 5-5.5 five, five because of the injuries now, but I picked Georgia Tech at the start of the year to win this side of the Coastal. I'm not backing down now. You mentioned Ted Roof's defense. This is a defense that's holding opposing offenses to 259 total yards per game. They're holding offenses to 101 rushing yards per game and 158 passing yards through the air, and more importantly, holding opposing offenses to 23% on third down conversions versions, they're coming out of a bye week, the extra week of preparation, and we've said it before, the triple option's a lot different in game speed than practice situations, and if Miami's overly aggressive here and does not maintain gap integrity, this can lead to some big plays in the triple option, especially if Georgia Tech drives eight, nine minutes to start the game, jumps up early, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Malik Rozier to be patient in that offensive scheme. Yeah, you mentioned Rozier. I wanted
1: to comment on that as well, Joe. I, I thought he was clutch. I think he's big, growing big, big into time, his role. Big time play. But he completed less than 50% of his passes. He missed a lot of open receivers. Uh, he sailed some balls. I thought Braxton Berrios, their wide receiver, was outstanding last week. Like About, a
0: Ryan Switzer yeah, type. Yeah, 5'8", five,
1: 5'9", five, just was able to find the soft spots in defenses. But Malik Rozier, you know, this is still a first-year starting quarterback. Uh, he still has some room for development. Doesn't have the luxury of his two best weapons. I don't know if, if Richards will suit up or not, but he's clearly not 100%. Mark Walton is one of the top 15 or so running backs in America, no longer available. Travis Homer takes over as the new uh, starting running back. Uh, The one thing you might know this uh, better than I do Mark Rick generally did a good job at Georgia of containing the Georgia Tech triple option. I wonder how much of a factor that'll be. I love the front seven of Miami. I don't think this will be, you know, an easy game for Georgia Tech. But I think it sets up really well for the Yellow Jackets to pull an upset after that emotional win for the Canes.
0: And if you watch that ballgame in Bobby Dodd Stadium, Miami got a convincing double-digit win last year. But there were turnovers. Former quarterback Justin Thomas fumbled twice within his own 30-yard line, which led to Miami points. They scored off of one of those turnovers. As long as Marshall's clean with the football, I think this is a low-scoring game, and I'm calling for the upset. 21-17. to 17, I think Georgia Tech can run it, Will, on this Miami defense. And where's the mindset with the injuries? It's going to put a lot of pressure on Mark Richt in this ballgame. I like Georgia Tech here.
1: Yeah, real quickly before we move <clears> on, <throat> I, I, if if Gabe also likes Georgia Tech, there have been a few times this go. year, we're all three, three of us, and we have been perfect this year. So right. I'll be curious to see if Gabe at 10-15. Yeah. 10-40, we'll 10 get Gabe's take on that. Yeah, if, if he happens, I won't prompt him, but if he happens <laughs> to like the Yellow Jackets, then I feel really Don't good Don't talk about
0: him that. into it. We'll see if he likes yeah. it a little bit later. I know we're bucking heads on this one. Gabe, myself, and you, and you in this ballgame. Texas A&M and Kevin Sumlin on the road to face Florida. Texas A&M played very well last week against Alabama. that played well in the second half, losing that ballgame by eight points. Florida coming off a disappointing 17-16, to 16 home loss to LSU. They're going to be donning alligator uniforms yeah. for this matchup, but yeah. that's not the reason why I like Florida. I think they dominate this ball game, Rich, 37 to 20 because of their ability to oh run the football. Uh, that there is no
1: way that's yes. going to happen. I mean we we're going to buck heads really we hard are. on this one because I think Texas A&M is a team that's gradually beginning to mesh no I think with the (laughs) with the young quarterback Kellen Mond getting comfortable making plays with the help of Christian Kirk Travion Williams I think their confidence is beginning to soar played very well against Alabama rallied two weeks ago against South Carolina I think they actually have the better defense than Florida. Florida's defense is in the middle of the pack nationally. I think about 55th nationally. This is not a great defense. They are banged up as well. Going to be missing some members of their secondary. I look at some of those veteran and young defenders at Texas A&M. Terrell Dodson, 16 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss last week against Alabama. He's on the rise. Armani Watts out of the secondary. I think when I just purely eye test when i look at these two teams i think florida's heading south and am is heading north this, again, I think is another underdog that wins the game outright. Love the Aggies. Gig them in Week 7.
0: Oh, well, this is a game I think everybody's got a bad read on Florida. Everybody lost that game against Tennessee. Then they jumped off of them against Kentucky or jumped on them. And then it was Vanderbilt. And then last week against LSU. I have a read on Florida. I'll pick it up on the back end. Keep it where it is. This is Joe and Rich Cermonello on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. We left off with Texas A&M and Florida. It's a 7-10 start. Rich loves A&M. I'm all over the Gators. Rich, when we spoke about this game, I look at the rushing attack of Florida back-to-back to back weeks in the SEC. Four straight games now. This offense is starting to roll. 168 rushing yards against Tennessee. They pounded the rock for 218 against Vanderbilt, 186 against Kentucky, and 194 against LSU. This is a Texas A&M defense that allowed 232 last week to Alabama. I think they're going to be worn out here. And I like the Gators secondary going up against a very inexperienced quarterback in Calamon, coupled with the fact that Texas A&M's offense the last two weeks, 10 of 30 on third-down conversions. Florida's holding opposing offenses to 30% as well on third-down conversions. To to be fair, Joe, I I think the Seahawks would allow 232 (laughs) to Alabama. I'm not going to base anything
1: on Alabama. But are they worn out in this ballgame, going on uh, the road? After Alabama, I think everybody's a little bit worn out post-Alabama. That's a possibility. But the strength of the A&M defense is run defense. I mean, if they're vulnerable, it's in the secondary that won't be exposed against Florida and Felipe Franks. They're, A&M's allowing three and a half yards a carry. Uh, Zayko, and Henderson, Kingsley, Kike in the middle of that defensive line are solid run stoppers. Again, I love the safeties and the linebackers of Texas A&M. I, I think they they control Malik Davis. I'm just not impressed by the development of Felipe Franks, uh, especially compared to Kellen Mond. I'm big on ANM. I'm I'm one of the few people who thinks that this team, unlike recent years, gets better as the season progresses <laughs> instead of regressing, and I think Kevin
0: Sumlin actually survives at the end of the season. Well, I- I was drinking the Kool-Aid last year and I've been very impressed with the defense this year by John Chavis and Armani Watts is one of my favorite players for that program along with running backs Travion Williams and Keith Ford. But I think they're starting to wear out. I, I saw it last week. We'll see how that game plays out. You like Texas A&M? I, I love when we go head-to-head mm. because that just adds a little bit It more does. Juice. I think to they the get games. a double-digit victory here. We'll see. It's a 7 o'clock pick. Rich likes A&M. I like Florida. Both of ours are best picks later today. Here's a game that I like. Like it's a best pick. It is LSU. We spoke about it earlier. I think they find a way. Make, utilize formations. Danny Etling gets involved. High scoring game for the series. Twenty eight twenty four. LSU gets this victory a little bit later tonight. Yeah, we're we're on opposite spectrums here. I see low
1: scoring Auburn victory uh north of a touchdown. I I, I think LSU is a bit of a fugazi at this point. I think they got healthy against Florida. That's fine. Florida kind of stinks though, to be honest with you. So. I'm not impressed by LSU. I'll take Auburn. I feel pretty comfortable.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. It is a 330 kick. Here's a game that we both like. It is Georgia Tech on the road against Miami. I think it's low scoring, 21 to 17, 396 rushing yards per game by the Yellow Jackets. Wears down Miami. You think it's high scoring?
1: Yeah, I, I think this game could be in the uh, maybe like in the 33-28 range. Uh, I, I, I could see. But I, I like Georgia Tech to win it. I've been impressed by the backfield. Miami coming off the emotional win. Injuries. No Mark Walton. I, I think Miami suffers a, a loss.
0: Yeah, here's a game I love. It is USC. It's an 8 o'clock kick against Utah. USC 7-1 and all-time at home against the Utes. Last loss came in nineteen sixteen. To me, it doesn't matter. Sam Darnold will be the difference. He's coming off a 23 23- Of 35 performance, 315 yards, three touchdowns, one interception against Oregon State. It continues this weekend. They get a 20 point or more victory later today in the Coliseum. Joe,
1: it wouldn't shock me, but what concerns me about this game is there's too many injuries on both teams. Both teams have a ton of injuries. Uh, Utah doesn't know at this point who their quarterback's going to be. This game scares me. I kind of agree with you at USC. I would stay away from the game, though.
0: A game that you like is West Virginia and Texas Tech. We haven't talked about it. We'll break it down a little bit later, but this is one of your best bets later today. Yeah, I, I was impressed by Will Greer back at
1: home. Uh, I'd like to get into it in greater detail, but I do like the Mountaineers. We'll
0: pick up the other top 25 games. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live from the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio 34.